athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. It is the Dopey Show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. I'm in Charlotte. It is CIAA tournament time. You know, I, I, I really haven't taken part in the festivities per se. I have a responsibility while I'm down here at the CIAA tournament in terms of calling some games. So I've been mostly doing that. And, you know, I'm of the opinion, and I'll talk more about this, that the CIAA tournament has now been in Charlotte for 12 years. And I think it is to some degree gotten a little bit stale for it to be in one city for so long i love charlotte i think charlotte is a wonderful city it's nothing against charlotte but i think it just needs some uh, it's a new atmosphere right and with respect to that there's still two more years left on this contract i'm going to talk more about the ciaa tournament and it being in charlotte as uh, i am in charlotte today as a matter of fact I mean, furthermore, when you look at the attendance with respect to the games itself, the CIAA tournament has year in and year out has become less about the games. Now, there was one time when you go back to, you know, my beginnings in terms of really being involved in watching CIAA games goes back or the tournament more specifically goes back to like 2002 when it was in Raleigh and I mean, you had some really good teams. I mean, I can remember the Flip Murray-led Shaw Bears team that won the tournament that year. I mean, you had that, that was a that was a great team. That I mean, you know, I, you know, we're in the time, the respective time we're in, and you can talk about what's the all-time great teams and all of that. I mean, I don't know the history of the CIAA that well to say, okay, what, how do you rank some of the old time teams? But tell you what, that Shaw team was very good led by Flip Murray. You had um, Steve Bynes, who was a McDonald's, was a McDonald's all American coming out of high school. You had J.R. Raymond, who was a old big 12 player while he was at Oklahoma. At least he was all big. He made the all freshman team in the big 12. You had, you know, Jared curse, who had transferred in from West Virginia. You had some really good players on that team, yet there was some really good teams, some really good talent. Johnson C. Smith, who was coached by Steve Joyner then, is still now coached by Steve Joyner Sr., had a really good team. Winston-Salem State that year had a really good team. So, I mean, you had some really good basketball in the CIAA. I, I The basketball over the years in the conference – has gone it's not as good I, mean, I, don't, I don't want to say it's gone down but it's not as good as it once was although I think you I think 
um, you know, you have some good talent in the league, but from a pure team perspective, I, 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 it's not where it once was. But the CIAA tournament has become less about the basketball games and has really become more about the entertainment aspect than it really has about the tournament itself. I mean, I don't really fault the conference for that per se, but, you know, I think it's time to change venues. I think it's time to take it somewhere else. Um, When we had the commissioner of the CIAA come on about four years ago, she had actually mentioned that there was going to be a bidding process the week that we spoke with her. And then that week, the CIAA and Charlotte renewed its agreement and it's the CIAA is getting something like four hundred thousand dollars per year or something like that, which is which is pennies compared to what it actually brings to the Charlotte Mecklenburg area. So I think it's time to renegotiate that particular contract. But also, I mean, not just not that contract. It's time to put it out for bid, I think. So I'll talk more about that today on the program. So I also want to talk. Some MEAC today here on From the Press Box to Press Room. I mean, essentially you had five teams vying for the MEAC championship, which, uh, as a matter of fact, was decided on Thursday. And, by the way, we're scheduled, hopefully, to be joined by Savannah State head men's basketball coach Horace Broadnax today here on the program. You had Going into Thursday, you had A&T, Bethune-Cookman, Hampton, Savannah State, and Norfolk State, all with 11-4 and four records. So, I mean, they're... they're with some parity, certainly at the top of the MEAC, and I think going forward with the MEAC tournament beginning next week, it's anybody's MEAC tournament. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, some MEAC basketball today here on From the Press Box to Press Row with hopefully Savannah State head men's basketball coach Horace Broadnax joining us. Speaking of the MEAC, the MEAC essentially said to Hampton, not so fast. As Hampton, you know, it made the announcement. We talked extensively about it. I really was, you know, it's Hampton's prerogative in terms of what it wants to do moving forward, what it thinks is best for it, meaning Hampton. But, you know, I, I it, you know, I, and you can read what I had to say if you log on to our website at BoxToRow.com, what I had to say at that time back in November in terms of, in terms of Hampton, in fact, moving to the Big South Conference. But the MEAC has said not so fast. You can't just up and leave the conference, especially that they made this announcement in November. So I want to talk about some of what the MEAC had to say with respect to Hampton and Hampton leaving the conference. The MEAC has said not so fast. They've they issued a press release on Wednesday laying out. I mean, I, it, it was more of it was definitely from a PR perspective because one of the things that they said is they want to set the record straight in the press in the press release it said we want to set the record straight so i want to talk about that today here on the program as well some other things to get to um today here on from the press box to press row we may talk some college basketball some ncaa basketball it's a whole big mess um with respect to a lot that has happened in the last seven to 10 days in college basketball. And uh, uh, if we go back to the, the FBI investigation going back some months now, that is again reared its ugly head 
within the last seven to 10 days. So if we have an opportunity, we'll talk about that as well. Your participation here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We always love you to participate here on the program. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. So appreciative of all of you that are listening to us. We got some great affiliates around the country that carry From the Press Box to Press Row. Of course, those listening to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142, and those listening to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. Let, let me hit on the the deal with respect to the MEAC and Hampton as the MEAC issued a press release finally after four months or it's been four months since Hampton announced that it's going to move to the Big South. And there's a whole big thing behind that because, I mean, not only it's not, you know, listen, again, it's Hampton's prerogative to move on. But, you know, in essence, especially when you make a move this late, because in what Hampton is saying is they're they're They were looking to move or to make that move in 2018. You There's a lot of contracts that have already been signed. A lot of teams that you're already supposed to play. I mean, if I'm, you know, me personally, if I'm running an athletic department of one of the schools in the MEAC, I'm not I'm not trying to help Hampton. I mean, you know, again, it's okay to make a decision in which you think is the best for your university. I'm all for that. But to say we're going to we're going to make this move in an eight month time period, I don't think is right. If I'm a MEAC school, you know, I'm not necessarily looking to help Hampton out. But uh, so let me read a little bit of what. This press release had to say that the MEAC, in fact, issued on Wednesday. It did say um, it, it, it said that they want to set the record straight. They wanted to set the record straight and they outlined some bullet points as to some of the things that they that not that they felt, but w- what the Constitution and bylaws state in the MEAC, some of the things that Hampton um, cannot, in fact, do the very first thing. That it said is that Hampton should have indicated to the conference that it wanted to move on to another conference in this instance, the Big South, by July 1st, 2017. And the MEAC said that Hampton missed that deadline because they notified um, the conference um, uh, on November 16th of 2017 notified the conference on 2000 uh, uh, two, uh, November 16th of 2017 when they should have done that June 30 uh, uh, J- July 1st of uh, 2017 to be able to withdraw on June 30 of 2018 which means they w- could have officially become a member of the Big South Conference on July 1st 2018 so these are some of the other things that the MEAC said that Hampton failed to meet uh, and, and some of the consequences behind the bylaws and the Constitution. The MEAC is saying Hampton must play a full 2018 football schedule against MEAC teams as a non-conference institution. It says in parentheses, as of July 1st, 2018, Hampton has declared itself a Big South conference institution so basically sort of gangster there when you think about it the the conference is saying you must play 
our member institutions as a non-conference team. But you still got to honor those contracts that are in place in 2018. The MEAC also goes on to say as a non-conference institution, Hampton would not be eligible for conference championships, MEAC postseason games and accolades. That's not just football, but that's um, that's all of the, 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 the sports, as a matter of fact. Uh, Hampton must play a full MEAC football schedule for 2019, 2020, and 2021 season unless their scheduled MEAC opponents agree not to play. So they're, they, they, it, it's not just one of those deals. I mean, think back to Maryland when Maryland decided that they were going to leave the ACC and move on to the Big Ten. It's not, you don't just leave a conference and they're not either some consequences behind that and not that there has to be consequences because again if you want to make this move and move on to what you think are big and better things that's fine but you have to honor the bylaws of said uh of said conference that you're in remember it cost maryland 50 million dollars to leave the acc and move on to the big 10 in the manner in which it did and you know that in part this is a money play by the MIAC. Again, if I'm the MIAC, I'm, I'm not catching feelings behind, if, and this is me talking. I'm not catching feelings behind the fact that Hampton is leaving the conference. I'm not catching feelings about that. There's not tradition, in my opinion. There has been a lot of winning by Hampton, don't get me wrong, but they're not one of the original members of the MIAC. They're an original member of the CIW, I mean, one of the founding members of the CIAA. Let me step aside, take a break, come back with more of our MEAC and Hampton talk on the other side. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Hopefully still to come here on the program, Savannah State head men's basketball coach Horace Broadnax. We're going to talk some MEAC basketball today also on the program as the MEAC was top heavy five teams that were vying for the conference championship the MEAC tournament begins of course on next week and so hopefully we'll be joined by Horace Brognax the head men's basketball coach at Savannah State as I was saying on the other side of the break with uh, and still continuing the conversation with respect to the MEAC saying to Hampton wait a minute you can't just up and leave the conference you there are some bylaws and a constitution that is in fact in place again if i'm the me i'm not catching feelings behind the fact that hampton is leaving the conference this is about business and the the bullet points that i outlined are of that it's about business that's about money okay that is about hampton again the MEAC saying that Hampton must play a full 2008 football schedule against MEAC teams as a non-conference opponent. Um, they also have to play uh, MEAC teams in 2019, 2020, 2021 seasons. Um, and it also says, and, and check this out, one of the things that I didn't get to, um, uh, two things. Hampton is not eligible for any MEAC revenue distribution after their departure from the conference on June 30th, 2018. And finally, Hampton must pay a penalty, which our bylaws give the conference the authority to assess when member institutions fail 
to follow MEAC policies. Um, I, I don't know. It, it seems to me that Hampton would not have just up and made this move without knowing all of these things that are in place. I find that very hard to believe. Now, you know, they can pay the penalty and be able to move on again. As it states, you don't share in the the revenue. So in other words, for let's take the celebration bowl, for example, where um, in part, at least the MEAC team split some of those revenues. The team that plays in that game gets a majority or gets about eh, about half maybe of those revenues. And then the rest of the, con- the the conference also gets a cut. And then the member institutions um, get some monies as well. So they lose out in that. The Hampton also loses out in the in the men's tournament, the NCAA Division One men's tournament, when the MEAC, uh, their automatic uh, qualifier gets revenues from that. So they're going to miss out on that from the MEAC perspective. But they get that. They, I mean, obviously, they're going to get that right back as participants of the Big South Conference. But, you know, again, the MEAC goes on to say Hampton's decision to ignore the bylaws and its subsequent actions have created confusion for member institution and others and forced MEAC institutions to begin revising their 2018 sports schedules. So, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, again, the MEAC has put itself in a position that they're not saying anything that is their opinion. It is, this isn't an opinion. This is what their constitution and bylaws say. So the MEAC is protected by that. In other words, they're not trying to throw Hampton under the bus. They're simply saying, hey, Hampton, this is what you agreed to when you sign on to become a member institution. And by the way, uh, you should know these bylaws. And again, for Hampton to just up and leave the MEAC, I think the uh, you know that's their prerogative. But again, you have to follow the rules associated with that. Just like Hampton had to follow rules and had to do all of the necessary things to to be able to back some 22 years ago to be able to join the MEAC conference and make the move from the CIAA and Division Two to the MEAC and Division One, the same thing applies here. So, you know, listen, I think the MEAC did the right thing. There seem there is a lot of confusion because, I mean, you know, when I wrote the piece I wrote, it, it wasn't about, you know, I, 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 I thought that, you know, it just seemed to me at the time, you just can't up and leave. You know, I thought that, Hampton would, in fact, play a 2018 schedule. There seemed to be some talk, at least, about that. And to me, for the, the you know, I thought I think the MEAC should have come out with this a much, much sooner. You know, you're, you're talking about coming out with this statement four months after Hampton has already said that they're going to make the move. So in everybody's mind, MEAC institutions, people that follow the MEAC, follow Hampton, etc., this seems like a done deal. It, it, it seemed kind of fishy to me, but I mean, it's, you know, the MEAC never said anything about it. So they finally come out and make a statement. And I think everything that they say in their statement is correct. Again, Hampton, you know, I, I to me in, in, in the, the title of the piece that I did was 
um, goodbye Hampton. And, and, you know, I, I could have named, I could have, um, I could have given the commentary a different name, but I, I chose to name it goodbye Hampton. I mean, again, as I pointed out in the piece, listen, Hampton is not a, his, it, it, they weren't an original member of the MEAC. I mean, the MEAC was in existence for in excess of 25 years before Hampton decided it wanted to join the MEAC. The, the, the Hampton is an original member or a founding member of the CIAA. Their history really is CIAA history. They have had a lot of success. Don't get me wrong. A lot of success in the MEAC. It was at one point, seems like it may have been 04, 05, 06, that Hampton was dominant in football. They were the dominant team in the MEAC in football. It was not the teams you think about now, uh, whether it's A&T, um, perennially, whether it was South Carolina State, whether it was North Carolina Central, who had been more dominant recently. It was it was not Central, A&T, or South Carolina State, who was a it was perennially a dominant team. It or Florida, even Florida A&M, for that matter. It was Hampton. Hampton really came into the MEAC and started wrecking shops. So they had success in football, a lot of success in basketball, a couple of more recently, a couple of MEAC tournament championships. Um, you can go back to 2002 when they won that first round game. They were a 15 seed, whereas um, Iowa, I can't remember if it was Iowa. I think it was Iowa, not Iowa State. It was Iowa was a number two seed, and Hampton ended up winning that game with Tavares Williams uh, as the, the player of the year and others. They've had some successes. I mean, they've seemed like softball. They, they were pretty good. Um, so they've had some successes. They have helped to elevate the MEAC as a whole. There's no doubt about that in my mind in the 22 years or however many years that they've been in the MEAC. But, you know, there are rules. There's a constitution. There are bylaws. And you must, in fact, follow those bylaws um, if you're going to make that move. So what happens next? Well, you know, of course, we reached out to the conference to try to have. Dennis Thomas, the commissioner of the MEAC, to come on the program and to kind of talk about this. Um, they're, they're, the, essentially, a spokesperson said that he's not talking about it right now, but once there, he's ready to talk about it, he will, in fact, uh, do so. And, of course, um, I'm sure he will come uh, on right here on From the Press Box to Press Row to talk about it. Um, but... You know, I'm in agreement with the MEAC here. I think that, you know, and I don't know, maybe Hampton has a side to this. I mean, why, if you know the Constitution, you know the bylaws, you know exactly what it is, why would you, in fact, just up and leave? Um, and again, it has caused some confusion. You do have teams that are now scrambling to to get games. And again, if I, I, I'm sorry, I, I listen, me, I'm not trying, you know, it's not, and again, it's not, it's about business. Now, you know, in the same vein, and that's just me, but I mean, if it's a, if, if we have a business relationship and I'm a school in the, in the, let's say it's Norfolk state, for instance, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm assuming that the battle of the Bay is still going to go on. I mean, that's a business venture between those two schools 
that generates revenue for the schools and it generates interest in both Hampton and Norfolk State since those two teams and those two schools are in the Tidewater area. I mean, you know, I mean, if I'm Norfolk State, I mean, if it's been a it's been a business, a good business move for me, then I'm going to you know, if I'm Norfolk State, I'm going to make that move. But if I'm a if I'm a MEAC school that doesn't really have much interaction with Hampton, uh, it's a couple of schools, A&T and one other school did not play Hampton in football this year. You know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to help you out. I mean, I'm not, you know, you just, you know, you're, you're causing a lot of confusion. You know, I have to up and, you know, make some moves. Now, the bottom line is, I mean, the other thing is this. I mean, just because you're bound to a, to a, uh, 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 to a contract doesn't always mean you honor that contract. In other words, Hampton seems pretty adamant about moving on and becoming a member, an official member of the Big South July 1st of this year. So um, do they, in fact, not honor any of those commitments to the MEAC and its schools and just move on and have to? And then I guess the other thing behind that is you ultimately pay um, a penalty. I don't what, what is that? What does that number look like for the MEAC? I'm not sure what that number looks like, but, uh, you know, maybe you you can you can get out of contracts. You you may have a contract that's in place, but you can get out of a contract, meaning you pay the penalty to, in fact, move on. So it so, so it still is going to leave um, schools. And again, if I'm a school, what does that look like? I mean, is am I, in fact, going to play the scheduled game? against Hampton and I'm talking more specifically right now about football since that's sort of the next big thing that's upcoming I'm not even we're still in basketball season no need to even talk about the 2018-2019 basketball season but from a football perspective am, am I in fact playing Hampton and again as was stated in one of the one of the bylaws is that Hampton has is supposed to play 2018 2019 2020 2021 does seem kind of gangster though that (laughs) that Hampton uh, that the MEAC says that Hampton has to play those games and play that schedule and they a would play it as a non-conference institution or yeah a non-conference institution uh, and then also uh, would not share in any of the revenues. Your thoughts on the Hampton MEAC situation? Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X, the number two R O W. More from the press box to press row on the other side. 13 seasons in as the head men's basketball coach at Savannah State is Horace Broadnax. You know, I, I, I said that we hoped that we would get him on the line, and we in fact do have him a big win on Thursday. On the road against South Carolina State, 94-81, to 81, it created a share of the MEAC championship. The Tigers will be the number three seed in next week's MEAC tournament. Won't play until Thursday, as Horace Broadnax joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Broadnax, welcome back to the program. Uh, thank you very much. Glad to be here, uh, considering the circumstances. You know, uh, MEAC champion, I know it's a three-way tie, but you know, at the end of the day, it's it's, uh, it's it's an accomplishment for the program, the the players, and and the uh, university. Yeah, no question about it. So let, let me start here, because I think last we talked, it's been been some years, maybe maybe five years or so. 
Um, does it feel like it's been 13 years for you at Savannah State University? Uh, sometime during this season, yeah, it's been about <laughs> 20 to 30. Uh, it's been a, it's been a, obviously it's been a good conclusion of the, of the regular season, but you know, the season was real tough, you know, considering the, the schedule that we played, but, uh, nah, it's, it's been, it's, it seemed like 13 and it seemed like it's, it's gone fast. Uh, at times, and then you know, sometimes it seemed like a drag drag out. But when you win championships and look back, it seemed like it's going by fast. Uh, you know, it, if my memory serves me correctly, I know you won one MIAC uh, regular season um, title, maybe going yeah. back some five years ago or so. How how? 2011, 2012. So it was okay. So 12, so six years ago, 2012. I mean, how are, do you see some similarities? Uh, now that were maybe there six years ago. No, I think these two these teams are two different teams, and, and the style of play is totally different. I think when we won in 2011, 2012, uh, we probably was ranked high in the country as far as uh, defensive uh, efficiency, as far as trying to hold people to uh, uh, not scoring the basketball as much, and and I think we if if we scored over sixty points. Um, a game, you know, that was almost a miracle. But this team right here, we just shoot the ball and try to tight, go fast, tempo, 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 shoot a lot of threes. So we try to outscore the opponent. So uh, in that aspect, it's different. I mean, I, I, um, the first team was, a, you know, tremendous energy. Uh, this team is somewhat energy, is not, but not at the level that I would like them to be. But uh, at the end of the day, we, we accomplish uh, – you know, what we set out to do is to be a, a champion at the end of the year, and, and we did it. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've are you always been known, your philosophy has been defense, going back to your days, you know, at, at Georgetown with some of those great defensive teams. Um, has, because you said it, it, it's not that way this year, has your philosophy changed, or is it the personnel that has lended to more up-tempo offensively and maybe not where you want to be on the defensive end? I think I think my philosophy has changed uh, as far as just trying to score score the ball more. I always wanted to from the when, when we were defensive minded. I think we more offensive minded. But you know, it's been you know I tell a lot of people and a lot of people have been asking me about you know why the change came about, uh, and and I'm it's still evolving, uh, you know, and, and I definitely got to emphasize that defense a little bit more if we want to be uh, extremely successful but uh i want the guys to score i want the guys to feel uh uh empowered to score uh, because that's where the game is kind of going we want to space it out uh shoot threes attack the attack the basket get to the free throw line but at the same time you know sometimes you can't be on both ends of the floor as strong uh but you know it needs to be a little bit more emphasis on the defensive end and you know that's where that's where we've been at a long time. So, um, you know, I, I see that we can score points, and and now you know we just got to kind of lock down on the defensive end. How were you able to get your guys? Because I mean, you, it was a big time game last week at Bethune Cookman. Uh, you ended up losing that game by a big margin, one hundred twenty one to yeah. ninety two. How were you able to get your yeah. guys to be able to rebound? And and, and you know, I got a tough Central team that you were able to beat, and then of course the win on Thursday against South Carolina State. How were you able to rebound to ultimately get a share of the MIAC title? Well, I mean, you're, uh, uh, 
you know, at, at this time of the season, you know, I mean, you just have to shake those things off and put things in perspective. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, you know, we just, we just didn't, we didn't, we didn't play, play well. So, uh, from that point on, we had st- still had stuff to play for. You know, I told him still we still had if we could win twelve games. You know, that would be the you know the second most wins in the conference in, in the history of, of the school. So that was something to play for. We were still playing for seeding uh, at that time, trying to get a good seed. I didn't know if we you know at that after losing the Cookman, I didn't know if we would have an opportunity to be MEAC champs at that. It was out of our control. Uh, we were also playing for mo- momentum, so. Uh, we played Central, one Central, and, uh, you know, by the end of that night, we looked up and we were back in, in first place tied with five teams. So uh, going into South Carolina, it should have been simple. I mean, I ain't said it was going to be easy, but, you know, win a game and you're a champion. So, I mean, I think our guys played with a lot of energy. Horace Broadnax, the head men's basketball coach at Savannah State in his 13th season. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. When I look at... Some of the numbers of some of your players, I mean, Dexter uh, McClanahan and Alante Finner was our Box Row National Player of the Week a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Javaris Jenkins, Zach Sellers, who makes this thing go, um, you know, all really good players. Can you talk about the makeup uh, of these team and, and those guys and um, how well um, they're playing, but also how well they're going to need to play next week in the MEAC tournament? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, hopefully we you know, with the ideal that I, you know, I allow those guys to shoot uh, if they're open, if they feel that they could score, they could score, and just feel and feel comfortable. You know, that's um, you know, a lot of times guys are gonna be tight, and we may be tight, but you know, guys don't want to shoot the ball. Uh, but that's what we've been doing all year. You know, we everybody's pretty much had the green light to shoot, and hopefully they they have a freedom about them and they relax and and just try to enjoy the game and. And, um, and, and tempo, but the guys that you mentioned, I mean, I think the beautiful thing about the team is that, you know, two guys could have a night off and three guys could have a good night. You know, you never know who's going to be on. I think Dexter and Alante are leading us in scoring, but not necessarily always consistent. You know, uh, Zyke came in 15, Javaris shot the ball well, Austin, a descent played uh, well, um, Tyleek play well so i mean you can have guys that don't play well one night and then but you have three or four guys that play well so if we could consistently uh shoot the ball well i mean we take a lot of shots and we try to take more shots than the other team and we try to create volume uh, if we could be efficient uh on both ends of the floor in the MEAC, then it could be something special if not if we don't if we don't make shots it'll be an early uh it'll be an early tournament Horace Broadnax, the head men's basketball coach at Savannah State, joins us here on the program. Last two thoughts. Obviously, what's ahead of you is the MEAC tournament. But do you, future-wise, do you think beyond the 2018-2019 season next year, which will be the last for Savannah State in Division One, and what your future looks like? I mean, yeah, in a sense, because, I'm, you know, I have a wife and two kids, so <laughs> I always think about the impact that it has on, on, on me. But, uh, you know, I, from a coaching standpoint and just from being around basketball, we're still going to be having a basketball program. We're still going to be, uh, um, you know, like you said, we're putting the, putting the basketball team together. So it'll just be on D2. So uh, if that if that's the bridge that we got, I got to cross, then, hey, at the end of the day, I'm going to cross it. 
Uh, it's something I don't necessarily want to do, but, um, you know, when you throw the ball up, it's basketball. You know, for those two and a half hours that you're out there as a coach or a basketball player, you get lost and you coach the game, you play the game, you really don't think about, well, hey, this is D2 or this is a, a D1. So maybe before, maybe after, but at the same time, your objective is going to be the same to try to feel a, a good product, try to win a championship and um, uh, be a, and get kids graduated. And, and then lastly, with the landscape of college basketball as a whole on the D1 level, we hear all of these different things that are going on, pair, players being played so on and so forth i mean you played some 30 years ago not saying that yeah. this necessarily happened at georgetown but what what, what was sort of that I mean, some of the things we're seeing now were those some of the things that were happening some 30 years ago i mean it's always been there i mean you know obviously i hadn't uh witnessed uh, uh any of it per se myself but i mean you know it's a small circle coaching circle uh you'd be out on the road recruiting and you know, not necessarily the guys that are doing it, but, you know, the guys that are getting their heads beat in, losing players and saying, hey, man, I can't compete with this this program. I can't compete with here. So it's always been there, and I think it, it will always be there because people want to try to get an edge. And, um, you know, um, you know, the big boys are, are it's, it's, their, it's their territory. So, you know, it's their jungle, uh, you know, you know, the, the small boys like us, you know, I don't even, you know, people say, man, you need to recruit these guys. I say, I ain't wasting my time because I, I can't get those guys. You know, uh, we don't have nothing to offer them at that level. But, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's always been there. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's not a, it's not a NCAA problem. It's a societal problem. I mean, in certain areas, in all areas, people have a tendency to, you know, shortchange or, or cheat the line. So, but, you know, my opinion about it is, hey, you know, put it out there in the light. You know, if the kids want to get an agent, let them uh, uh, get an agent and, and bring it forth. And if they if they take, if they need, if the agent give them extra number of dollars, then let everybody know that they got extra number of dollars. It's an amateurism issue. And kids should be able to make money, not necessarily from the institution. Everybody talking about the money that is made from the NCAA. Uh, but that that supports that supports all sports uh, within the institution. The money that uh, colleges receive, they got the they got the um, fund and support the minor sports. But you know, you say like a kid like uh, Bagley at Duke, he should be able to sign with an agent. Agent should go out there and work for him. And if if somebody want to sign him to a car deal deal or a commercial deal, he should be able to make money because he's capable of doing it. All kids are not going to be able to do that. So, I mean, my my kids could probably sign with an agent, but I don't think they're going to make any money. But if somebody gets creative, they should be able to have an opportunity to go out here and make, you know, two or $300,000 if they can. If the agent sees that, hey, uh, Dexter McClanahan can make, you know, $30,000 uh, with his picture, on a on a t-shirt then he should be able to have that ability to do it but you know because he's an amateur um by definition of the ncaa he can't make money you know i mean everybody could get a job sure. i mean but i'm just saying he could get a job but he his job is is, is a basketball player and student athlete so he should be able, if he could 
if he could be creative enough to make money without being distracted to the to the team or or the institution, why not? Okay. We'll leave it right there. The head men's basketball coach at Savannah State is Horace Broadnax in his 13th season as the Tigers gain a share of the MEAC crown. They'll be in the, of course, the MEAC tournament on next week. They'll face the winner of Coppin State and North Carolina Central as Horace Broadnax joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Broadnax, great to catch up with you. Continued success to you and the Tigers. Hey, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak uh, this morning, and uh, we're going to have some fun, and we're going to enjoy uh, the tournament, and um, we're going to see how it fits. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. So some interesting some interesting thoughts from Horace Broadnax with respect to college basketball. I want to step aside, take a break, come back, and talk about some of the things that he talked about, plus take a look at the SWAC and the MEAC upcoming tournament and some other stuff here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're back after this. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row here in Charlotte. And the CIAA continues. CIAA tournament continues. I want to touch on something that um, Horace Broadnax, the head men's basketball coach at Savannah State, had to say. Uh, sp- more specifically with respect, he mentioned the fact, I asked him about the landscape of college basketball and how things were 30 years ago or so when he played at Georgetown. And, you know, he mentioned the fact that he thought that the players um, should be able to, in fact, have an agent. Uh, and not only that, should, in fact, be able to make some money as well. And I wanted to kind of follow up with what he was saying, but I uh, really didn't have a chance to really... Um, You know, we kind of ran out of time in that segment. You know, I I don't know. I think that when you start to – and I I think – and I've said this before. I think there's definitely something that needs to be done. I think that the players need to be able to have or to be able to gain some kind of compensation for what it is that they do, particularly with the fact that these universities are making an inordinate amount of money – more specifically, the bigger schools. It doesn't happen uh, at the at the mid majors, if you will, or in in football at the FCS schools per se. But at these big schools, there's big time money being made. I think college athletes as a whole, whether you're D1, you know FBS, Division three, should be compensated in some form or fashion, and maybe more specifically based upon um, the revenue that is generated by a certain school I think that some schools can pay athletes or be able to compensate athletes on their own while others can't necessarily do that some schools are just trying to survive in the division that they're in Um, but if you I think if you start to allow for athletes to be able to get paid it's going to create a whole different type of of situation. I think it's going to create some dissension with respect to certain teams. Listen, this isn't professional sports. In professional sports, typically you've gone through the college process, so you understand how things work and even even be even before the college process in high school and so on and so forth, you go from little league to junior high to 
to high school to college and then you're at the professional level and in the professional level there is there's there's no such thing as fair in the professional level um you have star athletes that are able to be marketed and because of their marketability they are uh, paid a certain amount by the team they are able to go out and get endorsements etc in college, yes, there are players. Obviously, there are players that are star players in college. There are players that are better than other players, are more marketable than other players. But I think when you're talking about college kids, not as a whole, and I don't want to make a blanketed statement, but I think as a whole, college kids are not mature enough to be able to understand, particularly on a level of college athletics, that one kid or one player is making money and the other player isn't. Because maybe in some players' mind, they're like, oh, I, you know, I'm better than, you know, let's say, let's take Marvin Bagley, for instance. I'm better than Marvin Bagley. It's just that I'm not getting the opportunity. I didn't have maybe as much hype as he had coming in. That I'm not saying that that. He is better. I'm just saying that that is could be the thought process. So, I, you know, then when if you start to really separate and promote athletes and I know athletes are promoted. I was in I worked in college administration and more specifically in media relations. So I know that if you have a better athlete, you're going to market them or that athlete or those athletes differently then you're going to market the entire team. If I got a star player. My star player is going on the poster. My star player is going on the media guide. My star player is going on the game day program. There's no question about that. But if you start to say, well, that athlete can now go out and make money, whereas people, you know, teammates, his teammates cannot then therefore go and do that, not because they can't do it, but because they don't have that marketability. It may cause some dissension within the team. And then you're going to have a, a whole another big mess, in my opinion, which is why I like the NCAA model in terms of not marketing per, or not athletes not being able to make their marketing athletes, but not being able to make money. Um, as a, you know, not them not being able or the star athlete not being able to make money or just athletes in general. And then you have a situation where another guy's not as good or another young lady's not as good. And then you have sort of that dissension. It's just not a, 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 a it's a maturity level deal to me. And but that's not to say, of course, that athletes shouldn't be compensated as a whole. I think they should. I think uh, there should be some kind of way that they're paid but it should be even it should be across the board and then when you go to that next level when you go on to pro sports then it's a whole different ball game and you're able to be marketed not the same as your teammates there's a difference between college sports and pro sports i realize that uh, we want to really think that college sports a lot of times is pro sports but it's not you know, so I think I think the model that the NCAA has in terms of not allowing 
uh, for individual athletes to go out and make money, not to be marketed because they are marketed. I mean, they're marketed within. I mean, they're marketed by their own institutions. They're marketed by the media. You know, when you look at the when you see these advertising or these advertisements for certain games, I mean, you know, Trey Young, I give you let's take Trey Young from Oklahoma as an example, which I think, you know, that this is a whole different deal because Trey Young, to me, has taken a lot of unwarranted criticism. He's a is a very young man, a freshman. And in a lot of respects, we're treating him like he's a professional player or like he's, you know, it's like, okay, when he's doing great, it's rah-rah, it's he's sports center, he's leading sports center, he dropped 40 points, he's Steph Curry, he's all these things. And then when he doesn't live up to that, he's getting vilified. And for a young man, I, I guess he's 18, 19 years old, as a freshman, for those type of highs and lows, I just don't think it's fair. But let's just take Trey Young, you know, as an example. Well, you know, when networks run the fact that Oklahoma is going to be playing, guess what? They mention Trey Young. So the student athletes are being marketed by media entities and by their own schools. I mean, I think you have to do that. As one that's been in that situation, I think you have to do that because – that generates the buzz with respect to that school. But not only should that athlete be compensated for that athlete as a whole, but I think it has to be across the board, even if there's a guy that's the 12th man that doesn't play that much. Because, again, to me, from a fairness standpoint, and I realize life isn't fair, but, again, to me, this is college athletics. You could cause some dissension. You could cause a lot of different things. So I, I just think that athletes should be paid and it should be across the board. But I don't think that athletes should ha- be able to go out and get an agent and then should be able to make money individually. And that's where I agree with the NCAA in terms of their model. Your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, with the... Uh, Remaining time that we have in the program, you know, this was a very competitive MEAC season, an extremely competitive MEAC season. And, um, you know, the tournament starts on next week. Hampton is the number one seed going into the tournament. You had a three-way tie between for the regular season crown in the MEAC between Hampton, um, Bethune-Cookman, and then, of course, uh, Savannah State. And... You know, I, I don't remember the last time that we saw where the MEAC was this top heavy in terms of, you know, on the the last day of the season, no less, with four teams fighting for a MEAC tournament championship. Again, Savannah State, Bethune, Cookman, Hampton all share it, but because of the tiebreaker rules, you have a situation where Hampton will be the number one seed going into next week's tournament i mean who's the favorite it it it, it, you know at one time you looked at a and t they were undefeated in miac play next time i looked up they had two or three losses and and so you know are, are they ready 
for the tournament. This is a this season that they had is an unbelievable season. Talking about a team that had one Division One win last year that's gone to what they are now. I mean, are, are, you know, with a lot of new guys, uh, that makes a difference playing in in the tournament and not just regular season basketball. Are they poised to win it? I like Bethune Cookman, boy. I tell you what, I like Bethune Cookman. I mean, that was a big time win that they had last week against Savannah State. Blew Savannah State out. You know, are they poised? Again, they have some guys that have some experience, but have some guys that haven't necessarily played in the conference tournament. You know, what about Savannah State? Is this the year that Horace Broadnax and his crew can finally break through? I think they've had some really good seasons in 13 years as the head coach. All 13 years, of course, as the head coach at Savannah State. All 13 of those years was not in the MEAC, or they weren't in the MEAC. But is this the year that Savannah State can finally win that MEAC tournament championship? Again, going back six years ago, they were the favorite as the number one seed. Or is it going to be Hampton that is, in fact, going to be able to repeat? Or will it be North Carolina Central who just uh, maybe didn't have the kind of season that they, in fact, wanted to have but are able to turn it on uh, in at tournament time? I don't know about that, but, you know, there's a lot of different scenarios as the MEAC tournament kicks off on next week of course the uh, SWAC tournament also going to kick off in next week and that that one it, it still has to be decided with some games uh, to be played this weekend got to get ready to run here on from the press box to press row thank you to Horace Broadnax the head men's basketball coach at Savannah State for joining us on the program and for more information on from the press box to press row log on to our website at box also follow us on Twitter and friend us on Facebook and always remember to support those that support you. From the press box to press row is presented by the Communications. Come on, if you believe it, lift your voice and say, Come on, if you know it's awesome, say, Come on, and lift your voice. Savior of the whole world. Giver of salvation.